0: This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news.
1: Schools have a new start date for the next school year. A local mall closes its doors for good, and the governor hints at specifics for reopening the state. Good evening, I'm Gerald Owens.
2: And I'm Deborah Morgan. Thank you for joining us. During this half hour, the state superintendent will join us live to discuss the specific steps being taken to reopen schools. WRL's Kirsten Gutierrez will also join us live from Durham to explain a big economic loss to the community with the closing of Northgate Mall. We also have exclusive access to a local ER. Nurse Ashley Wheeler talks about the new normal there and weighs in on the reopening debate.
1: We begin with the impact of the new North Carolina relief package signed into law today. General Assembly leaders join Governor Cooper during his daily briefing for something we rarely see on Jones Street, Unity. Here are some big takeaways from the legislation. One $125 million will fund small business loans. There is 85 million for vaccine development, antibody testing and community testing. Waived interest on tax payments normally due in April and changes to next year's school calendar. The end
2: of this week is still the goal for implementing Phase 1 of the reopening. Both the governor and state health officials reiterated this today and how any sudden shift or reversal could push this back. The governor says specific details for Phase 1 could come as soon as tomorrow. And he will once again face pressure from Reopen NC protesters. The group plans to rally for a fourth straight week tomorrow, but a notable absence will be from the Reopen Wake County group. They tell WRL they plan to distance themselves from the larger group.
3: I'm Mark Boyle in the Live Center tonight. You heard Deborah talking about the shift in those numbers. If we see that, things could be slowed. Well, these are the numbers. There are four different metrics the state's watching. They're updated daily. The first one will start with laboratory confirmed cases. Take a look right here. This blue, dark dotted line, that's the average. You can see clearly the average number of cases coming into the state is seeing a decline. So that certainly is some good news here to report tonight. Positive tests. Of all the laboratory tests that come into the state, six most recently tested positive for COVID-19. We've seen a continued decline on this map right here, that one moving in the right direction as well. Finally here, hospitalizations. Even though this one continues to tick up just a little bit, it's not very much, and the state considers that leveling, so that one gets the green check for moving in the right direction. We'll monitor these again tomorrow and see how they are, and keep you
1: updated here in the Live Center. All right, thank you, Mark. Several economic developments today with new unemployment numbers and new money for small business owners. But we start with the immediate impact on businesses and shoppers in Durham after the closing of Northgate Mall. WRL's Kirsten Gutierrez is live at the mall after talking with business owners. Kirsten, this mall has had its problems over the years, but this one especially hurts.
0: Gerard, that's right. And when they decided to permanently close this mall here behind me, it hurt and blindsided a lot of people, including employees and business owners inside the mall. Now, we spoke with two women who have owned businesses within the mall for nine years who tell us they don't know what they're going to do next. Now, Northwood Retail released a statement today writing in part, quote, that the severe impacts of COVID-19 pandemic has caused extreme financial difficulties for their tenants and property. They go on to say the interior part of the mall will permanently close, but outside shops can reopen when the state deems it is safe to get things back up and running. Now the company also states this decision was not made lightly and that they will help their tenants to provide relief for the duration of their leases and connect them with small business support services. Shea Ramirez, Shea Ramirez tells us while they are offering Offering to help with support services she demands more answers as now she's not only dealing with the
4: pandemic but also the hassle of moving during all this chaos i've cried sincerity, but i haven't cried in two days but mm-hmm. i've been there nine years and it's just a lot it's memories and i put a lot of work and a lot of money into our space um, and it's just it's just heart-wrenching i'm just i'm dealing with it and i'm know i'm going to get through it but it's just it's just so much to think about, you know, it's, and it, you, it's like immediately and I'm just like, dang, like just kick us on the street like we're dogs.
0: Now, in January, a developer with Northwood Raven wanted to transform the mall into a mixed use area where people can work, live, and play. But we reached out to him to see if he had any comment on how this all was, all this decision was made and what kind of happened in between. Gerald, back to you.
1: A sad day for that entire community. Kirsten Gutierrez, live in Durham. Thank you. This comes as North Carolina passed another unfortunate milestone. One million unemployment claims have now been filed. That's nearly 10% of the state's population all of those in the last two months. This means roughly 20% of the state's workforce has filed a claim since March 15th. Most of the funds being distributed now are coming from the federal relief package. Paying those unemployment claims is expected to be a big chunk of the next state relief package, since most of the current payouts are coming from federal money and the state's reserve. More money for small businesses in Wade County could be available in a matter of weeks. Wade County commissioners plan to use up to $194 million from the CARES Act to help small businesses and independent contractors like hairstylists. Small businesses could receive a loan or a grant between ten dollars and $50,000 based on need. The details are still being worked out.
2: The class of 2020 had a very special surprise when picking up caps and gowns at Chapel Hill High School today. Faculty and staff rallied together to decorate the school, cars, and celebrate the senior class while social distancing. Although they will not have the typical graduation ceremony, they still had the cap and gown photos, something seniors we spoke with say gives them hope.
5: I think it's so great that everyone did all this for us. Um, I feel very supported, and although this is a really hard time, I know like all seniors are going through it, so I feel like we are kind of a whole community.
2: I love her enthusiasm. Just one of the many changes schools have had to make this spring. Joining us now to discuss the path to reopening schools is State Superintendent Mark Johnson. Mark, thanks so much for joining us.
5: Uh, Thank you for having me, and I look forward to when we can do this in person again.
2: Uh, Don't we all, for sure. Well, let's start with the present right now. The law signed today calls for the traditional school calendar to start on August 17th. It's unclear exactly what that's going to look like. However, we do know a task force is working on those decisions. So who makes up this group?
5: Uh, Well, thank you. This This is the first time we're able to be proactive in this crisis. We've been reactive uh, day after day week after week and we're excited to be proactive i have launched a task force that will have representation uh, on a bipartisan level all the way from students up to the governor's office and many stakeholders in between we have advisors who are teachers we have advisors who are principals we have advisors who are students and parents uh, and importantly we have some uh local superintendents who actually lead the local school districts, ranging from the mountains all the way to the coast and many districts in between. And we have representatives from the General Assembly, the Health and Human Services Department for the health guidance and the governor's office as well. So that task force is going to be working with DPI, uh, our state education agency, and DHHS, the health agency, to make sure we put out proper guidance for how we can get students back into school facilities in the fall and exactly what that's going to look like.
2: One of the biggest challenges you have in a classroom, how social distancing might look. Could it impact the classroom size?
5: It absolutely will. How do you socially distance on a school bus? How do you socially distance in a classroom or in a school cafeteria or in a school hallway? These are all very challenging answers. And the good news for parents and students and teachers, uh, we are now being proactive and we have time before we have to have those answers. We are working uh, to get those guidelines to local school districts. And importantly, if remote learning still has to be a tool that some teachers have to use because they might be at high risk, some students who might be at high risk have to use, we need to improve remote learning. Again, we've been reactive and we know the struggles and frustrations that have come with remote learning. I am a parent of a first grader in the Wake County school system myself. We are so appreciative to the leaders and the teachers for all the work they're doing, but everyone can admit that remote learning right now is not sustainable. So that is, That's another huge priority that we need to tackle over the summer.
2: Well, and you bring this up. It is teacher and school staff appreciation week. A lot of families have a new appreciation this year. With most families and teachers in a groove, not planning to return to school, to classrooms this year, what's been the biggest challenge? And have you and other leaders worked to overcome those? You say this isn't sustainable. What's the biggest challenge for you?
5: Well, the biggest challenge has been that we've been having to react, 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 react. I think Parents can relate to that, teachers can relate to that. All of this happened so quickly that we immediately had to shut down our economy, we had to shut down our schools. Uh, The biggest challenge is we've got to reopen everything, and that includes schools. So, how do we do that safely and get as many students and teachers back into the physical school buildings as possible? That's going to be a top priority because we know that the remote learning has been no substitute for teachers and students in the classroom, having that relationship having enrichment courses like PE, having recess. Uh, We all miss those more than anything. Uh, But again, thank you for pointing out this week is Teacher and School Staff Appreciation Week. We are encouraging everyone to please uh, lift up our educators, whether it's uh, something elaborate like a car parade through your neighborhood or just a simple thank you note. Uh, This has been a trying time for everyone that includes parents and teachers. Who have been resilient in the face of this crisis.
2: For sure. Mark, uh, one last quick question. You know, you talk about the success or failure of distance learning. And so you're likely looking at a learning gap here as we go into the fall. We know it's early for the task force, but any idea how assessments might look like in the coming year?
5: Uh, We are talking through that. We need to find the best tools that are not stressful at all that are a quick snapshot of where students are and how much learning they have lost and importantly after we get that information we need to meet students where they are and help them catch up we know the learning loss is going to be daunting Uh, it's not only going to be summer but all these months before summer we have some students who are going to have uh, uh, no access to remote learning this is going to be a challenge We need to meet students where they are and help them progress at their pace.
2: Well, good luck as you face these challenges with the task force. State Superintendent Mark Johnson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. While the Class of 2020 will not have a traditional celebration, we are saluting their special accomplishments on wrl.com. Search Class of 2020 for stories of inspiration and ways to honor your grad. The most watched in the triangle,
6: only on WRAL News.
3: Welcome back. I'm Mark Boyle in the Live Center. Durham County releasing some new information right now, bringing their total number of coronavirus cases up to 790, almost 800 this evening. Likely that will change tomorrow. Also, 26 total COVID-19 related deaths, two new deaths in this report right here. Again, 26 total countywide. Back to you.
2: Thank you, Mark. Well, when you peel back the numbers, experts point to disturbing trends and disproportionate numbers among certain populations across the United States. It's a storyline scientists are focusing on as they learn more about how the virus has spread. WRL's Mandy Mitchell spoke with some of them today about who could be most at risk.
4: Communities that were often considered at risk before coronavirus are proving to be just that trouble spots. And it's something scientists who are studying the spread are paying a lot of attention to.
6: It has been painful to witness the disproportionate deaths among blacks and other marginalized racial groups.
4: African Americans are dying from COVID-19 at a high rate. Here in North Carolina, the numbers are striking. African Americans make up 22% of the state's population, but have 37% of the positive tests and 34% of the deaths.
6: It's not just one thing, it's not two, you know, it's all of these things together.
4: The reasons span from lack of availability of tests in Black communities to the number of African Americans working in low-wage, essential jobs.
6: They have been the least protected, but the most exposed, lacking the personal protective equipment and income protections such as paid sick
4: leave. And it's not just the Black community that is a concern. Scientists are worried about the spread in rural areas where health care is lacking. And among the homeless who can have a hard time social distancing.
6: None of these are new phenomena. They're just exposing all of the structural flaws and inequities that we already had baked into the system.
4: And experts are
2: hoping it could be cause for some change in the future. Mandy Mitchell, WRL News. Our team of data trackers not only track the number of new cases by searching data trackers on WRL.com. You can go deeper into the data, including hospitalizations, recoveries, zip code breakdowns, and see analysis into the future of coronavirus in North Carolina.
1: We can expect a brief hit to the housing market because of the pandemic, but Zillow estimates it will bounce back quickly. Before COVID-19, this was expected to be a hot season for the housing market. The latest economic forecast from Zillow projects home prices will drop anywhere from 2 to 3% through the end of 2020, with a steady recovery through 2021. The rapid sales decline is projected to bottom out this spring and recover at a pace of roughly 10% each month through the next year. Still ahead on WRL News at 7, an update from the front lines.
6: We're not going to continue to operate in that kind of um,
1: fearful mindset. How fighting COVID-19 will change things in her ER, even as we move past the outbreak. It's an update you will only see on WRAL. And be sure to join us for a special edition of our seven o'clock news tomorrow night. It has been six weeks since Deborah David and I had a chance to talk with local mayors from Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill about the pandemic. We'll check back with them to talk about the most pressing issues they now face as we inch closer to a reopening.
2: You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News.
1: Kroger is limiting the number of items customers can buy. The grocery store chain put those limitations in place for ground beef and fresh pork in parts of the country. Despite the move, Kroger says they are confident in their ability to provide meat and seafood for all customers throughout the pandemic. So far, at least 22 meat plants in the country have closed their doors because of the pandemic. Like the rest of us, Duke Regional ER nurse Ashley Wheeler is starting to imagine what things will be like after the outbreak, not just at home, but in the hospital.
2: In today's video blog update, Wheeler discusses the reality of reopening the economy and how local hospitals might look in the coming months. It's an insight you will only see here on WRAL. So it is
6: Saturday. It's been a good day. Uh, I was just asking my coworkers what I should talk about today for the video. I kind of feel like I've said many things over and over and that's that's just how it feels. It feels very redundant. Um, We are still seeing COVID patients we're still having people come in that um, are very symptomatic and some people that come in and we end up doing a rapid test for um, other reasons, like if they need a procedure, and we're getting some positive results. So we've seen asymptomatic patients that are positive. We've seen very um, compromised patients that are, end up being not positive, but we end up doing extended testing on them because of how sick they are. Um, We're all quite comfortable with it at this point. We're definitely not complacent, and we still take everything very seriously. But, uh, you know, ER people, we tend to um, acclimate really quickly. um, And we're not going to continue to operate in that kind of um, fearful mindset. So everybody seems really just okay with what we're doing. You know, when we have a known positive, it used to be, you know, a few weeks ago, it was almost like, oh my gosh, it was positive. Can you believe it? And now it's just like, oh yeah, okay, they're positive. And we move on with our business. so it, 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 the thing that I mean I found myself thinking about today a lot was the fact that this is how it's going to be for a long time. Um, I trust everybody who's making decisions about opening things, and I definitely understand the pressure to reopen things and allow people freedom to move around and work and do what they need to do. I'm also honestly just very, very concerned about what will happen in the coming weeks as we do open up. Um, I mean, just considering six months ago, we didn't know anything about this virus. You know, we don't know much, but we know we learned a lot real fast. And it, it seems like it's not going anywhere. I think— We'll still be very much seeing COVID patients here every day for the next, you know, months, foreseeable future. And I do feel like once we get into the fall, we're going to see the usual swing of, you know, flu patients mixed with COVID patients. It's just going to get more complicated. Um, so I, you know... I'm okay with that. Cause I mean, what option do I have really? But um, I think I'm just starting to realize that this is what we're gonna be doing for months.
2: COVID-19 mm. is certainly gonna stick with all of us. And we wanna say on this Nurses Appreciation Week, we wanna recognize Nurse Wheeler and the other health professionals working daily to save lives. We so appreciate everything you do and in addition to her nursing duties she has little yeah. ones at home.
1: That's right, uh, Duke hand selected her as an exemplary nurse to provide these video blog updates for us. We thank her for taking the time to do this and we thank Duke for allowing her to do this. That does it for our news at seven o'clock. Our next newscast on WRL for WRL is 10 o'clock on Fox 50 and on WREL at 11 o'clock we thank you for joining us.
2: Remember, we have plenty of ways you can help those in need in our community. Visit WREL.com and search here to help for ways you can lend a hand. Have a great night, everybody.